Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Not all money is the same. There's a world of difference between money that has God's blessing and money that is cursed by God. How do you know if the money in your checking account is cursed? My job in this sermon is to comfort you and warn you at the same time. And your job sitting here is to be comforted and to be warned at the same time. So we've got to go through this thinking about it from two angles. One, you're the weak one being oppressed. And two, you're the one in power who's tempted to oppress someone. And we've got to think about each point from both of those angles. So here's what I would suggest. As I preach, with your right ear... Listen for the comfort and encouragement, okay? And so that you're not going to be dismayed or discouraged about people who are mistreating you. And with your left ear, think about all the warnings and repent where you see these sins in your life in the way that you treat people that are weaker than you, okay? Two parts to this passage, the announcement of judgment and the reason for judgment. So so first, the announcement. Uh, Verse 1, now listen. And those two words, exact same two words that we started the last paragraph, the end of chapter 4. Or your Bible might say, come now. Remember we found out last week, that's an announcement of rebuke. That's a, he's introducing a rebuke. And he uses those same two, there's only place in the whole book where he uses those two words. And it's the exact same phrase in these both these paragraphs. So you can see the paragraphs are connected. The, the last paragraph of chapter 4, first paragraph of chapter 5 are connected. And here's the connection. Chapter 4 leads to chapter 5. So, so at the end of chapter 4... He rebuked the people for following their own will instead of God's will. Remember that? That's last week. That's the way this world lives. They don't care about God's will. They care about their will. And they're not concerned about what God wants. So the connection between these two paragraphs is this. This, I did it my way, it's my party attitude, taken to its logical conclusion, you'll end up being those people at the beginning of chapter 5 with the kind of arrogance that will live a life dominated by selfishness and pride. All right, so back to, back to verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1. Now listen, you rich people. That's who he's talking to. Now, who are these rich people? Is this all rich people? Is, is everyone who's rich automatically evil just because they're rich? I know a lot of people think that way, but the answer to this is no. Uh, James doesn't think that way. We know that James doesn't think that because of the good example that he gives in verse 11. If you skip down to verse 11, who's, who does he use as the, the righteous example, the good example? Job. Rich Job. And he talks specifically about what God finally brought about. What did God finally bring about for Job? Well, he made him twice as rich as he was at the beginning of the book. And he's already rich at the beginning. So, James definitely isn't condemning all wealthy people. So what kind of wealthy people is James talking about? Well, they're the ones that, that are proud. They're the ones that didn't follow the instructions in chapter 1. Remember chapter 1, verses 9 to 11? The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who's rich should take pride in his low position uh, because he will pass away like a wildflower. So remember the logic there was, your only hope 
is humility. The only hope of, of being saved is if you ever, if you somehow gain humility. And rich people, it's almost impossible for them to ever become humble. But they have an outside chance. They have one outside chance at humility if they remember that all their stuff will pass away like a wildflower. Their money, their good looks, their power, all the rest is going to fade away like a wildflower. If they remember that, they have a shot at becoming humble. And so that's what they should rejoice in. The rich people in chapter 5 are the ones who weren't paying attention in chapter 1. They didn't do that. They didn't gain any humility. They never learned it. And so they're, they put their hope in wealth. And now look what they're doing. They're, they're oppressing the poor. They're withholding wages. They're living in luxury and self-indulgence. That's the kind of rich person that James is talking about. He's not condemning all rich when he says, now listen, you rich people. He's talking to those people that are doing that. It's not a bad thing to be rich, but it is a very bad thing to be rich and put your hope in those, those luxuries and, and that money to devote your life to that, to, to comfort and oppress people instead of being generous. That's a very serious thing. And people who do that have a reason to scream and shriek over the judgment that is on its way. Nobody is going to be in hell saying, well, at least I did it my way. They're going to be shrieking in regret over the fact that they did it their way. And the signs of that coming judgment are actually already present right now here in this life um, because of what happens to wealth. God has pronounced judgment on their money by making it subject to decay and loss. Uh, that's verse 2. Your wealth is rotted. We've been well, Rich, but your wealth is rotted. Moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Money and clothing and possessions and all that, um, those can be a wonderful blessing from God if they're used properly. But if instead of using them to serve God, you start to look to them as your security and your source of joy and happiness and your source of fulfillment in life, then you'll never have fulfillment, you'll never have joy and security or happiness because, because even though, even when you have that stuff, you're always at risk of losing it. See, that's built right into the nature of money. It goes away. It can rot, it can rust, it can fall apart. Moths can eat it, thieves can steal it, governments can take it away. All kinds of stuff can happen to your stuff. The fact that money and possessions are temporary and they're subject to decay and loss, that doesn't hurt people like us, right? If you just use that stuff instead of needing it for your, for your security, if you just use it for the glory of God, then it doesn't hurt us. But it does hurt those people who rely on money and possessions for their joy because no matter how hard they try, they'll never have, an, they'll never have security. They'll never have it. They're a, their hope will always rest on a hopelessly shaky foundation. The problem of loss and decay will be a constant nagging threat that will eat at their very soul. And what James is doing here is he's transporting us into the future. This is what prophets do. Transporting us into the future to see that moment when all their money and all their possessions and power have failed. And he's showing us the misery that's going to come then. This is God pronouncing judgment on a false god. God, the true living God, is pretty hard on rival false gods. Remember Dagon? Philistine God, the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. They take the Ark of the Covenant, they put it in the temple with their God, Dagon, and they come back next morning, and what happened? There's Dagon on the floor, uh, his head busted off, his hands busted off. That's the kind of thing that the true living God does to false gods. He's hard on them. And that's what he'll do to our money and our possessions. If we turn them into a God, he will judge them. 
He judges the false god and he punishes those who serve that false god with very strong words. When it comes to this kind of sin, I mean, this is, these words in, in chapter 5 are so strong. Again, there's not even an opportunity for repentance. There's just doom. And that's what it takes because what happens with this kind of sin, when you, the sins that come with wealth, they make you so proud and puffed up and arrogant and self-confident that, that only hard words will get through. Hosea 12.8, Ephraim boasts, I am very rich, I have become wealthy. With all my wealth, they will not find in me any iniquity or sin. See, I'm, 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 I can buy my way out of guilt. They just think, think, well, if I have this much money and I have all this success, I can't be guilty of anything. And so, so it takes a strongly worded rebuke to just get through to people like that. And so James does it. He just pronounces judgment. Think about your wealth for a moment. The money in your retirement account. Is there any chance that money is cursed by God? Or on a smaller scale, how about the money in your next paycheck? Is it possible that money will bring you more harm than good because of God's judgment on that money because you put your hope in that instead of God? How about your house? I won't ask about your car because cars so often act like they're cursed even when they're not. But it's worth asking yourself, am I inviting judgment from God on my wealth by the way I'm using it or by the way I'm not using it or by the way I feel about it? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you answer that question. Father, please help me keep my life free from the love of money and to be content with what you've given me. You promised, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Thank you for that amazing promise, dear Lord. I can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them to drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Continue your love to those who know you, your righteousness to the upright in heart. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great are you, Lord, and most worthy of praise. Your greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. I know that godliness with contentment is great gain. I brought nothing into the world and I can take nothing out of it. But if I have food and clothing, I will be content with that. Protect me, Father, from falling into the temptation and trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction because of the love of money. Help me flee from all that 
and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.